Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. What a joy to be here today. What exciting times. What great uh, worship time to prepare our hearts and, and warm our souls and to be able to just get ready to hear the word of God this morning. Good morning, everyone. And as we would say in Venezuela, buenos dias. And so if you can look at the map here, the first one on the left there, Venezuela, there it is right there. Pray for that country. Uh, pray for the people down there. Uh, my wife and I, we just came back. My name is Adam, Adam Nathanson, my wife Diana. Uh, we are missionaries here, sent out from Grace Community Church to Venezuela. And we've been there for 18 years, and we love it down there. It's like home away from home. Uh, we're, we're with our uh, people. Uh, last Sunday, we celebrated the 17th anniversary of the church, and it was amazing. We, we had uh, guests and friends and, and special music and dancing and everything. It was just crazy. Um, those kind of times down there last like three hours, and so it's long. And then we do tell people it's only once a year, <laughs> so they don't have to worry about the time part. So here we are um, in the Abide series, um, last message on the Abide series. How many have been enjoying the Abide series? It's been incredible, incredible preaching, sharing, uh, building up, encouraging us. It's been encouraging to hear and see God prompt us, lead us into taking small steps of obedience, into uh, going into relationships and ministries and just taking small steps and watching God open up more opportunities for ministry. And, you know, as we take small steps into our relationships and ministry, it's a small step in that relationship and moment of time, but really it's an impact for all of eternity. And you can't measure that. That's the beauty of ministry. You can't measure small steps when you do it by faith and obedience. And so um, we're excited to be back here in the U.S. Um, good to be back from Cuba and Venezuela. We were in Cuba last, uh, the last week of January and then Venezuela for the whole month. Many have been asking us, and thank you for your prayers, for our visas, for Diane and I and our visas. Um, they approved my visa but they didn't approve Diana's visa. So for, so for a husband and wife combination, uh, it's still a zero, right? It's still a big fat zero. And so they did say this, your visa's been approved, but we don't have the paper to put it into your passport. And then I thought like this, maybe I can come to the church service and ask for donations. Anybody got paper, ink, that we can take down there and they can stick it into our passport? Let me know if you have any ideas about that. Um, but we do need to go back in May and be able to work on her uh, visa. And then hopefully when they say approved, that means we'll actually get a piece of paper into our passport. Five-year residency visa is what we're praying for. So thank you for that. When I do go back to Venezuela, I speak to a man. His name is Sam Olson. He's been a missionary there. He's born there. His parents were missionaries there. He's from the U.S. He's in his 70s now. And um, I say to Sam, um, you've been here doing this for so long, this ministry. Uh, you've been, you know, the church is over 65 years ministering to the people throughout the country. How do you keep in touch with so many people? And he said to me, I try to be 
in the place where people's most important moments are happening, such as marriages or, or baptisms or sickness or hospital visits, funerals, death, uh, you know, births, graduations, birthdays. Birthdays down there are big. And he says, I try to be at their most important times, times of joy and sadness, times of victories and defeats. And I really took that in as a pastor, and I said, that's where I want to be. I want to be where people are needing our time the most. And he said to me, they may not remember your three-point messages, you know, 30 years down the road, but they'll remember that you were there at the most important times of their lives. Isn't that true? And so let's pray, and let's go into the message this morning. Father, we thank you. First of all, we thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Thank you that you love us. You've loved us first. And over the years, we've learned to love you, learned to trust you in our decision-making processes, in our lives with relationships and ministry and time. And we thank you, God, today that... <clears throat> at the end of this Abide series, that you would lead us into taking small steps of obedience. That we wouldn't just hear the messages, but that you would help us to take steps that will lead us into getting to know you more, first of all, and then number two, seeing you open up more opportunities through the small steps. And so we pray these things and we give you thanks for everyone that's here, their families and their children. And thank you for this opportunity to share your word. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, we're gonna open up to Luke chapter 10. We're gonna look at some practical points this morning from the Good Samaritan story. So if you could open up your Bibles, I have mine. I love the, I love the hearing, the, the wrinkling of the page still. And um, I love this story of uh, practicality, practical steps, the Good Samaritan story. I know we kick off here in the reading of the word on the screen on uh, um, verse 30, but I really, as I was looking at it this morning again, uh, the lawyer stood up from verse 25, and then he said, you know, uh, you know, what do I need to follow the law? And Jesus said, well, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and then he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's going to lead us right into this story of the Good Samaritan. And then verse 29, if you can see it up on the screen, there's verse 30. And Jesus said in verse 29, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is our neighbor today? Who is it that God is prompting us, leading us to maybe uh, send a text, spend some time with them, visit them, have a coffee with them, uh, speak a word of kindness to them? Who could that be today in our lives, right? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by, a chance, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on, his, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And Jesus, and he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And this is a background of our story. Here are the three points for this morning that I want to work on. The unex- an unexpected need interrupted the plans of the good Samaritan, Right? And uh, number two, he took the time to help in the time of need, in the time of his need. And then number three, he was available to use his resources to meet uh, the need. So this can be tough for us, can it? It can be tough for us when our schedules are interrupted to take time to help other people in their need. How about that cancel appointment? or the no-show from the friend at the coffee shop. Um, Any of these things could be doors of opportunities for God to walk into. Maybe there's people around us. Maybe there's situations that we can now adjust our schedule to move into something else to help someone else at that time. But it's tough to change our schedule, isn't it? We've got our schedule. We've got our five to-do things you know, five to-do uh, lists, things to, to get done in the morning or the afternoon, and the schedule's interrupted. And so this brings me to a story that we lived through, our family did, with our neighbor. Neighbor calls up, I've got to move by the 31st of the month. Can you guys help me move on the 31st? And, uh, you know, our boys and I, we said, yes, we can help you move. But then the bank called him up and said, "Um, we need the papers signed and all the paperwork done by the 30th, meaning the day before. How many have been in that situation? And uh, he said, can you help me still? And I said, "Um, well, we do have a friend coming over for dinner that night. And I looked at my wife. She looked at me. She says, you got to make the decision. And I said, "Um, yes, we will help you. I didn't know how I was going to figure that out. But I said, yes, we will help you. That was my small step of obedience. And so on the 30th, um, I had to pick up my boy that day from soccer practice. It was July. How many, you know, July humidity, they're playing soccer. And I said, Dave, uh, I've got something for you today. Um, it's this. It's we got to help make the move today and not tomorrow. Can, can you be ready for that? He goes, no, Dad, I'm tired, I'm sweaty. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not ready for that. I thought it was tomorrow. And then I was driving the car because I'd picked him up, and I just blurted it out, and I said, but Dave, ministry is when we help people in their time of need. Not necessarily, here it is, our time schedule. Ministry happens when they're hurting. Ministry happens when they're broken. Ministry happens, now I wasn't preaching this to him, by the way, because we sat in silence, right? I'm like, I hope you accept this. <laughs> You're my only helper for the night. You're my, and he sat and, and it kind of just settled in on us like, ministry happens. Next, next slide. Ministry happens. That's the big idea for today. 
when we meet people in their time of need. If you look at verse 33, you can see it there. And the Samaritan, but a Samaritan as he journeyed, he was on his way to something, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Ministry happens where we're moved by compassion. And we meet people in their time of need. It takes adjustments for that to happen. If all we did was stay in our lane at 65 miles an hour and never took the time to look around or never allowed for our schedule or never was available for our schedule to change, then we may not be available to God's prompting and leading in the ministry. And I did. I blurted that out. No three-point messages to my son. He was upset. We went into the dinner that night. Diana's looking at me like, okay, what are you going to (laughs) do? Your friend's here. Five o'clock in the afternoon, we're having dinner. And his name was David, by the way. And, I, and then 8 o'clock comes, I get, David, we, Dave, my David, my son and I, we have to leave right now. Where are you going? Well, we got to go help move a friend because the bank, and we told him the whole story. He said, well, can I help? And then he got up from the dinner table, and the three of us went and moved our friend, our neighbor, at 8.30 at night into the night. And God opened up hearts. Obedience led to beautiful more steps of ministry. The move was long. It was tiresome. But we accomplished the goal to meet his need in his time of need. Amen? So the verse says up here, next uh, slide, it says, um, as you can see, um, Proverbs 27.10, better is a neighbor who's near than a brother who's far away. And here's my prayer for us on this point. Lord, help us to be sensitive to the needs of others and still be responsible with our own priorities. And how many can sense the tension there? There's tension there, isn't there? I want to help, but I want to be responsible with my priorities, you know? And that's the tension. That's where we need God to lead us in these small steps of obedience. Here in our second point, We want to look at uh, Luke chapter 10, 33 and 34. The Samaritan in verse 34, he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, took care of him. And that's the second point. The good Samaritan took time to help. And isn't that an issue for us here in America? It's taking the time. Adjusting our schedules, taking the time. Do I have the time to do this? Can I really do this? Should I really do this with my time? Right? These are questions we ask. We have a neighbor. uh, She has cancer. And um, she lives alone. And she called me up one day right before a Bible study. Looking to go right into the Bible study on a Wednesday. And she needed a ride to the hospital. And she's a very independent woman, and she doesn't call, ever call, and she called. And I had a decision to make, leave the Bible study, take her to the hospital. And God prompted me, and I went and picked her up and drove her to the hospital, and she was dehydrated, and it was good that that happened. And so um, her son picked her up, and, and that was good. 
And then another day, she was driving herself to the hospital, and she had a flat tire going into the hospital. She arrived at the hospital, left the car there with a flat tire, and her son calls me, and he says, can you come and help me fix my mom's flat tire? And I said, yeah, what's up? He goes, because my truck can't get into the garage. It's too big. And so I did. I went and helped him, and uh, we did the flat tire thing, fixed it, and then he, he and I chit-chatted and talked for a while, and I thought, what an opportunity. Just, I said to him, yeah, I got to finish what I'm doing right now, but I'll meet you over at the entrance of the hospital. And we were able to spend time together in, these, in, in this time of need, meeting people in their time of need. This brings us to a story in Venezuela. It's kind of interesting um, with a picture here. You're going to see Norquis um, coming up. There's Norquis on the left. Leo, that's the husband on the right. Diego's in the middle, kind of squished between the two parents, and then they had a brand new baby. This didn't just happen, but it's a story of what happened in our church. Um, Aaron, who was a brand new baby, it was a couple years ago. We're all on WhatsApp. WhatsApp is a chat. So we're all talking on WhatsApp about this situation. She's eight months pregnant, and she's going to have the baby, premature. And so one of the ladies in the church said, well, I'll take her, Norquis, and take her to the... Um, to the hospital. Problem is, is that as they went to different hospitals, they didn't have the incubator for the premature baby. So we're following on the chat, and um, the fourth hospital comes by, and they said no, and then one of our nurses is coming off her 12-hour shift. She just finished 12-hour shift, and she's on the chat. She goes, well, I'll pick up Norquis, and she's quite a take-charge kind of lady, and she said, I will take them to the hospital. But little did we know, she had to go three more hospitals to find the incubator. So now it's late into the night, 11 o'clock at night. Seven hospitals later, they found a hospital with an incubator. And they take the baby in. The baby was delivered. And um, come to find out, because the baby was under duress, there was no need for the incubator in the end. The baby was fine in the breathing. But Leo, and here's the story, people taking small steps of obedience. I'll take the baby. I'll take the, the, the mother and the baby, and I'll take them to the seven different hospitals. Leo wasn't a believer. He's watching the chat at home because they didn't have a car, which is the case in a lot of Venezuelan families, especially nowadays. Leo now, he says, I want to know about you guys. Who are you, the church? Why do you do these things? And Leo got saved. Leo's in the church now because people took time in their schedule to, you know, to meet a need in their time of need, right? That's ministry, meeting the need when, they're, when they most need it. So let's go to the third point here, <clears throat> which is he was available to use his resources to meet the need. Do you see that? Verse 35 in your Luke 10, 35, it says, And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. And this is about money. My, money and time go together sometimes, don't they? Money and time. And uh, during the pandemic, the church started a brand new ministry I'd never heard of before. The church started this ministry buying an oxygen tank. A lot of the COVID patients would stay home and the doctors would come to the home and then you would, 
you know, be taken care of in your own home. Your family's there to take care of you. Doctors would come, treat the patients, but the church uh, figured out, hey, why don't we buy an oxygen tank? We'll pay for the oxygen, and then whoever needs the oxygen tank, here we go on the WhatsApp, just call us, and we'll take the oxygen tank to you, to your home. So people are calling up, getting in line on the phone. Hey, can you give us the oxygen tank? When is it ready? We're ready to receive the oxygen tank. And all of a sudden, the, minister, the church has a new ministry going on. They're buying an oxygen tank. They're buying, they have to go refill the tank. And then the people in the church with cars would say, hey, I'm ready to take the oxygen tank to the next home. Call me. I'm ready. And so taking the time, using money, it was amazing to see how little things brought big results. What was the big results? Lives were saved. Ministry was done. Meeting people in their time of need. It was amazing to hear about that. I was here. I was not there in Venezuela. But it was just something I wanted to share with you about. And here's what just happened this month in January and February. Let's look at this next picture right now where we see, can you see that picture? Um, on the bottom right, the, we, uh, there was a team from the U.S. went uh, and bought their tickets, took time off of work, bought their tickets, and went down to Cuba. And we've been going down to Cuba for the last 20 years, ministering all these different cities there. We love it there. It's another beautiful place. And um, this time we were directed with the team to go to pediatrics uh, hospital. And so all the staff was brought together in one room, and the, the, uh, the American team started singing songs to the staff in English. And then the, they're in their mask, they're still masked up, and they're crying, and they're listening, and then the people started, you know, praying for them. And then from there, we prayed, and then we went into the different rooms of this hospital, the pediatrics. So it was amazing as people gave money and gave gifts and gave medicine to the hospital to see God move on the hearts of the people as they had never met us before. But money was spent, money was used to get us to that place to minister to these people. Here's my favorite part. I love sports. And on the left and on the top right, on the left is the softball teams. We had a five-team softball tournament, only two days and the softball teams come in, they all want to come and play and beat the Americans. That's their goal. That's their number one goal. Let's go beat the Americans. And so they won, of course, the Cubans won. They're there lifting up the, the trophy, right? And they think, oh, this is amazing. Trophies, they're getting uh, bats, $275 softball bats and gloves and balls. And they think, this is great, this is awesome. But then Vic, top right corner, he's the man that leads this. Um, he says, can you all sit down for a minute on the ground? 150 people, wives, girlfriends, children. And then he shares his story of why he comes to Cuba. Which, what is his story? It's the gospel story. It's why we're here. That we are changed lives. Christ has changed our lives so much that we will take time off of work, we will pay for our own plane tickets, we'll pay for our hotel, we'll come and give you gifts because they, they don't have sports equipment stores in Cuba. And we'll come and do the tournament with you, but really the question is, why do we do it? We do it because Christ has changed our lives. 
and he's transformed our hearts. And before we were cold-hearted, selfish people that only thought about ourselves. But now, through the love of Christ, we will cross the ocean for you. And we will tell you that you are important to God just as you are. Now remember, these are just hardcore men. They don't go to church. Their church is a softball field. They're in their 45s, 55s. They don't really care about anything else. They just go to work, go to the softball field. And they're hearing the message. They're seeing the gifts in front of them. And God is moving on their hearts. And that afternoon, out of the 150 people, 50 people stood up. Because we do the bracelets at that moment. And we say, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, stand up and come up front. And we want to share with you this bracelet that talks about the love of Christ. 50 people came up and shared with us that they wanted to receive Christ as their Savior. Isn't that amazing? And that's the gospel. A um, friend of mine, mentor, he says, the gospel's for free, but somebody's got to pay for the shipping and handling. You know, so that was the shipping and handling. You got to pay money, right? You got to get there. You got to get to the location. And this is where we see ministry happen. It was amazing. It was worth every penny to see faces shine with this brand new gift of the love of Christ in their lives and see hearts and lives transformed. And this brings us to our last point today. Venezuela, our hearts cry. We love it there. 18 years ministering there on the streets of Caracas going to different cities. Show you another slide here. Um, this is the park ministry. When we arrived in 2005, that's me and my two boys, Daniel and David. Um, almost forgot his name, Diana. <laughs> Let's see, Daniel and David. Only two, right? Pastor Greg, I only have two. <laughs> here we go. Let me focus here. Only two boys. So Daniel and David, we're standing there. Diana's taking the picture, and you can see the park is destroyed. No fence. You know, no swings. And here's the testimony. I'm there with my two boys. I know no one down there. We have no church. We have no church office. We have no one receiving us. And at this time, I was trying to have them swing on the swings, but there's no swings. It doesn't have a, a seat. You know, the wooden seat? They just have chains that are empty. So I told my boys, I said, well, grab onto the chain and I'll swing you. <laughs> so they did. And then I turned around after a while and I said, this is crazy. I'm in a city of six million people. We live in a neighborhood, as you can see the buildings, we live in a neighborhood, it's uh, 50,000 people in a one mile square radius area. We got people everywhere. By the way, I love it. I just get to share the gospel, talk to people. You wanna drink a coffee? Well, I don't have time. Well, when you do, let's go drink coffee. You know, we, get, we got bakeries. They make bread fresh at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we drink hot coffee with them. And this is how we do ministry. But one of the ministries was the park. And we got to share and the boys got to see. And they grew up with this park ministry. And so over the years, we were able to clean leaves and paint and do carpentry and, um, and welding and prepare sandwiches and give out iced tea. And then this led to a weekly Weekday ministry, Monday and Wednesdays at 11.30 in the morning, because that's when the kids come out of school. We have seven high schools in the area. So they come out of school, they start at 7 in the morning, they finish at 12, we're there before them, and then at 1, another shift goes in, 500 kids go in, and they finish at 5. And we're doing this, preparing the ministry, preparing the grounds for them 
Small steps of obedience, raking leaves, painting, fixing, welding. God opened up a ministry without us even knowing it. It was like God was preparing the way. It was like God was already doing something in the hearts of people. This brings us to the next picture. Youth started getting saved. There they are. We made a, that's a made-up ping-pong table, like, you know, plywood. And we just painted it and put the net over it. And they started playing ping-pong. And then they started playing volleyball. We had volleyball net, ping-pong, and reaching out with a hot dog stand. That was kind of cool. Um, so <clears throat> I don't want to jump ahead, but the students started coming to the park. And then we, they started receiving Christ as their Savior. And then at noonday, we would start, right at noon, we'd start a Bible study with sandwiches and drinks have a small Bible study with them. 15, 16, 17-year-olds. They started coming to Christ. Very simple. They started to receive the message. And then, <clears throat> um, here's a funny story for you. I'm not a musician, by the way, and I bought a drum set for the church because it was on sale. Uh, there was only one problem with buying the drum set. We didn't have a drummer. So the church looked at me and says, why did you buy a drum set and we don't have a drummer? And I said, I don't know, it was on sale. <laughs> you know, because we're Americans, we like buying stuff on sale. And, uh, you know, I didn't have coupons for it, but at least, you know, I got it. And then, lo and behold, as the youth started coming, the guy in the middle right there, he's the one in the middle next to the girl, and well, they're all kind of in the middle next to the girl, but... The guy in the middle next to the girl <laughs> with a beanie on his head right there, he was a drummer. We didn't know it. And he came into the church, and he became our drummer. And then we started having a live band. And the church is like, what? Where are all the youth coming from? Why are they coming? And they're like, because we only had adults and little children. Then the youth came in, and it changed the life uh, of our church. And here's the thing I want to share with you about that. We took st small steps of obedience. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And here's my encouragement to you as God may be prompting you and leading you after this or through this Abide series. Let's not overanalyze small steps of obedience. Let's not overcalculate my schedule, my time, my money. Let's just take small steps of obedience. Let's trust that the God that we trust in, he knows, he loves, he has compassion on the people that you're involved in. He wants to work through you, in you. As you're surprised, as much as I was surprised when this ministry started to grow, we saw God do bigger things and bigger things. So you see the guy right there, you see the hot dog stand? We bought a hot dog stand made of aluminum. And they brought it to, you, you can't barely see it, but at the bottom of the right, left-hand corner of that picture, it's a gas tank. See that? And you fill it up. You have to go buy the gas, put it in the tank, and then you hook it up, and then you can make the hot dogs there. And uh, every last Monday of the month, we would have free hot dogs. 
We didn't know this, but one of the businessmen, he, his company was, they make the bread for the hot dogs. He says, I want to donate 250 bread rolls and 250 hot dogs and the ketchup and the mustard. Do you need anything else? I said, no, it's ready to go. We took small steps. God was bringing bigger steps. More people started getting involved. People said to me in church, can I get involved in your ministry? I says, yeah, can you cook hot dogs? And they said, yes. And I said, you got a ministry. That's your ministry. You're going to come and cook hot dogs. Someone else said, can I pour drinks? I said, well, can you pour the drinks? That'd be great. Can you make the iced tea, pour the drinks? And it says, yeah, I can do that. And I said, well, you just got yourself a ministry. And they started joining in, joining in, little by little, little steps of obedience. Other people love to evangelize. The only way that you could get your free hot dog and drinks is if you'd listen to a message. And that was the message. They had to have a message of the, we had the bracelets with the gospel message and 10 people here, 10 people there, 10 people there. Remember, we're going to get to 250 hot dogs given out that day, the last Monday. Even people who weren't part of the park ministry showed up because they wanted their hot dog, right? And so they would show up for the hot dogs. We'd even bring live bands at 12 o'clock in the afternoon from the church because remember, the youth were part of the Park ministry. And so live bands, free hot dogs, people being involved in little ways and big ways. And God started moving in the hearts of the people in a spectacular way. It drew our church together. There was unity. There was love. And there was an incredible thing called such a joy as God's compassion was being flowed and, you know, shown to people during this time. Actually, during this time in the church, we were learning about the Experiencing God book that's been mentioned during the Abide. We were learning it. We were going through it. Um, usually, they should take 40 days. We take about a year and a half. We're just slower down there in Venezuela um, because they don't read and do their homework, right? Um, but that's okay. We get through it, and God was working. God was uh, doing something. He was already doing something, and he prepared the way, and all we did was take small steps of obedience. The park ministry happened. The youth started coming. The families, parents of the youth started coming because they wanted to find out, what are you doing with my kids? They're different. What's so different? What do you do with them? And then we shared with them about the love of Christ. I, en I ended up giving them my phone number and I said, call me anytime you want to know where your kids are because you're usually here at the park. And the parents go, well, that's that's kind of different. No one ever tells me that. <laughs> and then they found out that we loved them too. Some of them got saved and some of them joined our church. Today they're still in our church because of the park ministry, because of a hot dog stand, because of people taking the time to clean up a park and minister to a community of people. They don't come to our church, the community, the people in the community, but they have a great place where they can take their family and be able to share together. So I'd like to um, call up the band to come on up, invite the band to come up to the stage. The park ministry, you can look at the next picture. The park ministry, look at it there. The park ministry on the left-hand corner, is it your left? Yeah, up there on the left, that's the hut, and that's where we did our Bible study, on the right of the bathrooms. And um, people would say to me, Do you, where's your church located? Because we could only meet on Sundays in, our church, in, the, in the rental hall. 
It says we don't really have a church building. This is our church right here. 60 trees, the hut. And I said to them, we don't really need a church building to do what we do. We, we see God doing it. He's ministering to the hearts right here in, in the park. He's ministering to people as they eat hot dogs and as they help clean up the park. God is doing a work in the hearts of people as we take small steps of obedience. What do you think? Amen? So in closing, um, I was listening to Pastor Don's message two weeks ago uh, on the Abide series, and it was incredible when he said, when we obey God in the small things, take steps, God is faithful to open up more opportunities of ministry. And that really rung in my heart, and I wanted to share with you today, God is looking to move in your heart after this series, as this series is coming to an end. Go ahead and bring us to the last slide. The big idea really is what? Ministry happens when we meet people in their time of need. And so uh, maybe God is moving in your heart to work with the youth, the children, the elderly. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a, a, a distant relative. Reach out to them. Maybe it's a text to a friend you haven't spoken to in a while. Maybe it's that coffee meetup somewhere. God is looking for us to say to him, as Isaiah said to God, do you remember that? Here am I, Lord, send me. God bless you and thank you so much. Thank <clears throat> you.